It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Monday, February 21st, 2022. We are one week away from the start of the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine, which means we have to finish our roster assessment this week on the show. We are starting today with defensive linemen. How did the defensive linemen perform? We don't have to necessarily worry about scheme changes, but let's project these performances from 2021 forward to 2022. Cheers. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And excited today to get into the defensive side of the football for our roster assessment for the 2021 NFL season. Uh, some exciting jumps that were taken uh, for the Miami Dolphins uh, along the defensive front. We're going to talk about who those players were, what kind of performances we should expect to be the norm moving forward, what the departure of Brian Flores may or may not do to the defensive side of the ball, particularly up front. And, uh, of course, we would be remiss to not mention Coach Flores has found a landing spot amidst his dismissal from the Miami Dolphins and the litigation that he has posted against the league uh, for unfair and unequal uh, hiring processes and for the sake of the Miami Dolphins, accusations of uh, violating the competitive integrity of the league. Brian Flores has landed as a defensive assistant slash linebackers coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That news came out over the weekend. And uh, of course, I'm sure there will be plenty of Dolphins fans who have their eyes peeled to I am athlete today. Coach Flores going on with Brandon Marshall, uh, Chad Ochocinco, and Omar Kelly for an interview for the I am athlete podcast. Look for that. I believe it drops at noon today. And I'm sure there will be plenty of Dolphins fans who are very eager to hear Coach Flores speak about his time in Miami and his departure and uh, the kind of the, the grounds of the litigation that he's put against the league. And, and of course, also there is the layer of Omar Kelly uh, involved, who has been pretty vocal about his experience with, with Coach Flores and uh, his experiences with the validity of the grounds of which he was dismissed on. And uh, there's going to be some interesting takeaways for sure that come from that. So that's something for you guys to keep your eyes peeled for today. Um, and I am athlete is in general, a great podcast. So definitely recommend you guys check it out. So that's on YouTube. So are we locked on dolphins. If you're listening on the podcast feed and interested in getting the video content, we got that for you there as well. So with that in mind, the defensive side of the football for the dolphins, starting up front, you've got critical players. And Christian Wilkins is a former first-round pick. Jalen Phillips is a rookie in this year's first round. Emmanuel Agba is an expiring contract. And uh, Adam Butler is a free agent signing. And Zach Sealer 
and Raquan Davis. You got you got some beef up front. And I look at this group in its entirety. And guys like Andrew Van Ginkle, I'm going to put them in the linebackers. We'll talk about them tomorrow on the show. But uh, you think about the Dolphins' base front, right? When it's, you know, if they're, they're base 3-4 and you're playing Agba at one end spot and Davis and Wilkins, or you want to go heavier and you go four-man front and you put Sealer in and push Agba out as an end man on the line of scrimmage and Jalen Phillips, technically he could be classified as a outside linebacker, but for the sake of this discussion, he's primarily a pass rusher. He's going to get put in the defensive end. Uh, the defensive line group. Uh, I would say one thing that you have to be excited about was significant leaps in production from effectively everybody on the front. Uh, Obviously, Raekwon Davis missed three games, effectively four games. He got hurt in the season opener against the Patriots, spent three weeks on IR, came back, uh, was a really reliable plug player in the middle for the Dolphins. There's no doubt the run defense was better with him involved. You wish there was more snaps to be had for Zach Sealer, uh, who was a waiver wire pickup for the Dolphins in 2019. Adam Butler as a, a rotational pass rusher, uh, fulfilled his role very, very well. Jalen Phillips came on strong in the back half of the season and really strung together a strong stretch of plays. Uh, he was third on the team in quarterback hits with 16 this season. He was Tied for second, a four-way tie for second place on the team with nine tackles for loss. Eight and a half sacks. Came on slow. And then Emmanuel Ogba with 12 passes defense. He was second on the team behind only Xavier Howard. Uh, he had led the team in sacks with nine sacks. He was also tied for second on the team uh, with nine tackles for loss. He was first on the team with 24 quarterback hits. Uh a lot of strong performances from a lot of places. And I didn't even mention Christian Wilkins, who uh, in year three, I think he posted the most tackles by a defensive lineman in the NFL, 89 since 2015, I think it was. Uh, he was second on the team in tackles. He was three away from leading the team in tackles behind Jerome Baker. Three tackles away from leading the team as an interior defensive lineman. That is bonkers. That's nuts. And it was a big step forward for Wilkins in year three, Uh, to get more involved as a pass rusher. He had four and a half sacks. He had 10 tackles for loss, which led the team a lot more in the way of splash plays for Christian Wilkins. If I had to evaluate the defensive line group as a whole, I would probably assign this a B plus or an A minus. The group in its entirety, guys fulfilled their roles very well. It took some guys a little while to get their feet wet and kind of assimilate into this year's defense. And if they would have been able to start faster, it might have been able to make a difference uh, for the team. Uh, And some of those close losses, you think about Jacksonville and Atlanta and uh, the Raiders game. Some of those plays uh, that defensively you just needed a stop and you could have won some football games kind of stacked up against you. But in general, I look at what you got out of the defensive front and you saw growth from almost everybody that wasn't an established vet, like a John Jenkins who only played when Davis was on IR. Uh, but let's start with it with Christian Wilkins. Uh, Wilkins came into this year having played 30 games in the NFL. And across those 30 games, he had three and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits. 
this year alone in 17 games, so nearly half the sample size of his first two seasons. Wilkins more than doubled his career total in sacks, three and a half in his first two seasons, four and a half in 2021. Seven tackles for loss across his first two seasons, 10 tackles for loss, which led the team in 2021. Seven quarterback hits through his first two seasons, 13, nearly double his first two years combined in year three, 2021. Still had four passes defensed. He had a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Uh, this was a much, much, I know, obviously the tackle production. Plays on specialty, play on the, the punt team from time to time or punt return and was railroading guys. Uh, he did a lot. He was involved in offense. He caught a touchdown pass. Got four, six touchdown celebrations out, out of the chamber for one uh, touchdown. By the way, Christian Wilkins for his career, two targets, two receptions, two yards, two touchdowns. Keep him in the goal line. <laughs> Keep him in the goal line package. But this was the player the Dolphins thought they were getting when they drafted Christian Wilkins at 13 overall in 2019. And to get that player... That's a win. That's a really big win. And this is somebody who showed this year he doesn't have to just be a gap control type player. He can play in a penetration style approach. So as the Dolphins move forward from here, that's one of the big worries about players that you invest in is, okay, do they have longevity over scheme change? I would say Christian Wilkins showcased his ability to transition through scheme changes this past year because he was much more involved as a penetration player and creating splash plays. And he was close to a couple other sacks that he didn't even get the chance to finish. So Christian Wilkins' season as a general, I would give an A to. This was the player. This was the player who materialized and manifested all of our hopes and aspirations for who he was going to be. Major win. Also major win if you have Built Bar lying around at home. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And best of all, you can save 15% by using promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. That is Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% of your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. The next highest grade that I would give to anybody on the defensive front would probably have to be Emmanuel Agba. Agba entered into year six in the NFL uh, after three seasons in Cleveland, one season in Kansas City, and now two seasons. Uh, his career totals, he had 12 and a half sacks in three years in Cleveland. He had five and a half sacks in one year in Kansas City, in which he played 10 games. And he has played every single game for the Miami Dolphins in each of the last two seasons. And he has logged 18 sacks, nine total in each of the last two seasons. And you compare this year to last year. Agba was a better player this year in year two, the second year of his two-year $15 million contract, which was a home run signing that was made by the Dolphins. 2020, he had five passes defense this year. He had seven. He tied his total for, ta uh, for sacks with nine apiece. But from a pressures perspective, he had three more quarterback hits this year than he had last year. He had nearly the same amount 
of tackles, 42 versus 41, but he had three more tackles for loss. Manuel Agba has showcased enough across the last two seasons that if the Dolphins are going to sustain the same style of play, that Emmanuel Agba deserves a sizable contract, a piece of that puzzle. He, it's really hard not to give him a, a B plus. I think if you just put him on the lexicon of, of NFL pass rushers and there's guys that are getting 20 sacks per year, I can't necessarily justify giving him a, an A grade the way that I gave Christian Wilkins an A grade. But Christian's A came more so from the leaps in production and disruption that he, he made this year. Whereas Emmanuel was an incrementally better player, but his ceiling as a pass rusher might not necessarily be in the lexicon of NFL pass rushers at the top end of that list. But I don't see any reason why, if you don't run it back from a defensive scheme perspective, that Emmanuel Agba is not on your roster and starting day one. I know there were injury concerns there. He missed six games for Cleveland in 2017. He missed two games for Cleveland in 2018. He missed six games for Kansas City in 2019. I'm a knock on wood. This guy's missed a game in two seasons. He did not miss a game across the two-year $15 million deal that you gave. Now, the challenge is you're probably going to have to pay him double that to get back in the building. And that's um, that math can be challenging. Um, it shouldn't be challenging from a Dolphins and a cap perspective. But... Agba looking to parlay 18 sacks in two seasons and 17 passes defensed in two seasons uh, into what might be his last big contract. Because remember, he's he's 28 years, he was 28 years old this past season. Emmanuel is going to turn 29 in season next year in November. If he signs a four-year deal, he'll be 33. And your chances of getting a big contract at the age of 33 are pretty slim. So this is it for Emmanuel as far as oh, I understand why he's going to want to maximize his value and earning potential uh, because the, he's put together his best two seasons by far in the NFL. And if Miami's not giving him competitive offers now, then I would imagine they're going to want to see what the rest of the market looks like. Miami may be hoping and may ultimately know we'll pay the price that's needed to bring him back. It seems like Emmanuel wants to be here, but they don't want to bid against themselves. So they want to find out what the market is for him before they end up making that decision. That's a risky move. But if they're doing that, one would assume that they are banking on what is a very, very good pass rusher class this year in the NFL draft. And there are some other uh, expiring contracts at the edge position across the NFL that perhaps they're hoping that can help suppress that market value. And this might not be a $15 million per year contract that they need to sign with Emmanuel. If it is, I'm not going to be mad about it because this is a BB plus caliber edge defender slash pass rusher in the NFL. Um, and I guess we'll keep it on the edge. Let's talk about Jalen Phillips next. Uh, Jalen, of course, he got red hot during that stretch in which he posted six sacks in four weeks or whatever it was, and he was just 
uh, a man possessed for the Dolphins. He finished second on the team in sacks with eight and a half. Uh, he played across the full course of the season, 603 snaps defensively, which is 54%. And I think there's a lot of room for growth for Jalen as far as uh, his ability to play the run. And that was something that I did think was evident coming out of the University of Miami. Uh, but you look at his usage this year, and I, I don't know how you don't get excited about what this is, is potentially going to look like down the stretch uh, and into year two when he had the major boom. Excuse me, it was six sacks in three weeks against the uh, Jets, Panthers, and Giants, and I know those offensive lines are not good, but even if you, you roll up and include Baltimore and Houston, he's got seven sacks in five weeks. And that was all in the back half of the season. Well, he had one and a half sacks in the first half of the year. But he had 20, 22 snaps in week one against New England, a team that runs the ball at a high clip. He had 18 snaps against Buffalo, a team that ended up winning the game 35 to nothing, and Miami fell behind early and was chasing the entire game. Uh, he ended up playing 15 snaps against Atlanta. And that was a game that Miami was behind the majority of the game. and was chasing, ended up getting the lead in the final couple minutes and Atlanta kicked a game winning field goal to close the game out. Um, he played 23 snaps against the Tennessee Titans. And we all know how that game script went as well. So, I think you look at some of his usages and, and where his drops and snaps came, uh, and it's pretty apparent that the game scripts in which the other team was able to run the ball at a high clip, you know, Jalen wasn't on the field. Uh, for a rookie, I'd, I'd give Jalen as a top 20 pick, probably a, a B minus, B plus type of season. Uh, I think he was really close to a lot of other splash plays as a pass rusher. You saw there were just some instances in which his ability to, to get stacked and extended and then be able to parlay and transition off of that contact and get into pursuit was just like a half a tick too late. And uh, if the quarterback wasn't able to hold that ball for that extra half second looking for somebody to throw the ball to, uh, Jalen wasn't able to get there. But as that becomes more natural for him, I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't expect Jalen Phillips to be a double-digit type pass rusher moving forward. He certainly has that physical ceiling. That's how you get drafted as the top pass rusher in the draft, and you're off the board in the top 20. Now, can you become a more well-rounded and well-developed player? That's the challenge for Jalen. Uh, that's where I think the biggest growth opportunity for him is going to come. Because if this dude can start playing the run anywhere near as well as what his potential is rushing the passer, if this dude gets to a spot where he can play 75-80% of your defensive snaps on any given week, and for the record, he only did 75% of the snaps one, two, three, three times all year long. And that was Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and the second Buffalo game. Those are the only times that Jalen surpassed 75% of your defensive snaps. So I'm excited for Jalen and his continued growth. I'm excited to see uh, what additional pass rush moves. And this is a guy who, you know, also spent some time away from playing football and came back to the University of Miami and stacked on the weight that he had lost when he was retired after his, his tenure at UCLA. 
and is kind of, I don't want to say relearning, um, but had to remake his body going into that year with uh, the Miami Hurricanes and had a massive season that was based largely on instinct, uh, based on being the top recruit coming out of high school when he was initially recruited, and athleticism. The ceiling here is very high. The challenge for Jalen is avoiding some of the injury stuff that, that bogged him down uh, in his early college days. But this is another solid B performance uh, as far as I am concerned on the Dolphins' defensive front. Football season is over, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It is the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Betonline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, which just wrapped as well. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Continuing our journey through the Miami Dolphins defensive line. Let's talk about Zach Sealer a little bit. Zach Sealer didn't necessarily get the splash plays that he got the year prior. In 2020, Sealer had more sacks. He had more tackles for loss. He had more quarterback hits. But I think that's also reflected in how the Dolphins chose to use Zach Sealer and the addition of one Adam Butler to the defensive front in free agency. That took a lot of the snaps that Zach Sealer would have had the chance to have on his plate. And Adam Butler took those reps. And that's fine. Adam Butler was a perfectly serviceable third down uh, pressure package specialist on your defensive front. But Zach Sealer needs to play more football. His per snap production in all phases is very, very strong. He had 62 tackles on 500 snaps last year. He was making the tackle on nearly one out of every five snaps that he took. He also played way too much special teams. And I understand, you know, when you're only playing 46% of the defensive snaps, which is what he played in the year prior in 2020, he played 52% of the defensive snaps. You want to get him on the field a little bit more. So you give him an extra 90 snaps on special teams versus the previous year. I get it. But Zach Sealer is too good of a football player to not play more often. And maybe the move here is if you do let Emmanuel Agba go, maybe Zach Sealer can be the guy who takes the other base end front. So you can go Sealer, Davis, Wilkins as your front three on your odd front looks. Because Sealer is a, a guy who's a little bit more traditional as far as what you would see in a four eye alignment. 6'6, 300 pounds, stout can quickly shoot a gap if you ask him to do that. That would be one area where if the Dolphins do make a change, I would not be surprised to see them get Zach Sealer more involved. And you know he's going to be on the roster. And then you would just need to draft a, or sign in free agency, a speed rusher to potentially take some of the reps from Jerome Baker if you're not going to continue to play Jerome Baker as that end man on the line of scrimmage role 
that he played so frequently in the back half of the season, starting in the Baltimore game last year. So there could be some moving pieces here, depending on how they choose to shift and evolve and uh, absorb the potential loss of Emmanuel Agbo. But it does give me a little bit of solace to know that you got this dude on your bench who played 518 snaps last year, 46% of your defensive snaps, who should be getting 65, like he should be getting another 20% of workload. And just as a point of reference for Christian Wilkins, Christian Wilkins took 65% of the defensive snaps, what you would ideally like to see Zach Sealer getting, which is you know 19% more than what Sealer got this past year. So you do the math that way, and that's one way for if you are strip down Adam Butler, if you're going to strip down Emmanuel Agba, you've got some flexibility to get Zach Sealer on the field more. Uh, but based on what was put on his plate, this is another solid B performance as far as I'm concerned. A little, maybe a little bit more production. You would have liked to have not seen the tackles for loss and the sacks dip the way that they did. But contextually, you understand why that was the case. Which brings us to one Adam Butler. Free agent signing. Signed a modest deal. Came in this year. Adam Butler played a total of 591 snaps. So 53% of the defensive snaps for the Dolphins this year. Um, obviously a little bit higher than what Zach Sealer got. And Adam, across those snaps, logged five quarterback hits, two sacks, two tackles for loss, 17 tackles. So he came in because he knew the system, right? His first four years prior, and he posted 15 sacks in four years as a New England Patriot, were in New England playing in the same system that the Dolphins largely were playing under Brian Flores. Makes sense. But Adam, in that change and transition and new contract, tied his career lows in sacks, tied his career lows in tackles for loss, and posted middle of the road for him production from a quarterback's hit, quarterback hits perspective. There were no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. He had three passes defensed, um, which was second highest of his career, but he put five up in 2019 and then had two, two other years and, and didn't post any his rookie season. So, and he, he tied a career low in, in solo in tackles with 17. So I guess this is, for me, the first place that I look at for the Dolphins' defensive front and feel like maybe there was some meat left on the bone. I think he was a fine player. I'd give him a C for what he was. Um, but I don't think the Dolphins brought him into the fray to be their fourth most impactful defensive lineman. And if you're including the run game, he's probably fifth most impactful defensive lineman. So what that means for Adam going forward, hard to say. I'm going to check real quick. I should have had this prepped ahead of time. Uh, but I want to check Adam Butler's um, contract situation as far as what kind of transition the Dolphins could make for Adam Butler. He signed a two-year contract with the Dolphins worth $7.5 million. 
should the Dolphins choose to go in a different direction. They will have no dead cap this year. That might be a maneuver I'm willing to entertain. Obviously, the biggest champion of Adam was, you would presume to be the coach that worked with him in New England in Brian Flores. Um, but if you bring back Emmanuel Agba and Adam Butler is your roadblock to getting more snaps for Zach Sealer, I am certainly strongly considering making that change, especially when you consider Adam Butler is on the books for $4.15 million in cash. If I could say $4.15 million and get Zach Sealer on the field more, I potentially absorb that by also giving some of those reps on in interior reps uh, to Raquan Davis if necessary. I'm probably going to do that. Because Raquan, across the 14 games that he played, played 47% of the snaps. He's not a pass rusher. There's no bones about it. Raquan Davis is not a pass rusher. He's a nose tackle. But you have a guy in Zach Sealer who could take on 20% higher workload. And Raquan Davis, I don't see any reason why he couldn't take on some of those snaps. 47%. If you absolutely needed somebody to. Or you can go out and get you can get yourself an undersized twist and stunt game into your defensive lineman on day three of any NFL draft and hope that he can mentally grasp what you're going to put on his plate. So Adam Butler's the one that as I look at and project, I have some questions about whether or not he's going to be here. And that of course is a side of Emmanuel Agba who I would certainly bring back, but it's just a question of financials and if the Dolphins are going to make that work. But Raekwon, um, you're not going to find Raekwon Davis's value in splash production. He had a half a sack this year. He had one tackle for loss. He had one quarterback hit. But he did have 28 tackles. Uh, he was a very, very stiff, stiff and stout presence for you on the defensive front. And the Dolphins' run defense was clearly better when he was in the game. I do not put too much stock into the Tennessee game and the yardage that Tennessee was able to put up on the ground. Because remember, Miami was caught in a dogfight on the road in cold weather. And, you know, the, the straw kind of, the straw that broke the back was the 39 yard rush from Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, that put Tennessee up over uh, or nearly at 200 yards rushing. They finished with 40 rushes for 198 yards. 39 yard rush touchdown within the final two minutes in garbage time, down 24 points is going to make that look even worse than what it is. But Raekwon has a lot of value for this team as the man in the middle who's going to keep everybody else clean. And I don't think there's any doubt, especially with this system coming back, you'd have some questions about, okay, what's the spot for a nose if you transition to an even front team, and what's that value going to look like, and did you lose a second-round pick? That's why I'm a fan of, of, at the very least, staying in odd front base defenses uh, when you want to try to stop the run because you have that player on the roster. So in general, I think this is a very strong start to the defensive assessment for the Miami Dolphins. I feel like all of these guys, barring Emmanuel Agba's contract and Adam Butler from a potential savings and opportunity cost of getting other guys on the field perspective, they all make sense to be back for Miami. 
whether or not they are, we'll see. And we will see you tomorrow on the show. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Make it a good Monday. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.